You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Ladies and gentlemen, your attention please. Now batting for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, Fan Rock Fantasy Baseball, the host, Al Melchior, Fan Rock Fantasy Baseball. Welcome, everybody. You are listening to FanRack Fantasy Baseball. I'm Al Melchior, and thank you for joining me for this hour, uh, taking a break from college football, getting warmed up for a couple of NLDS games. We've got Cubs-Nats coming up in about an hour and a half. So whatever uh, you're doing, whatever you're taking a break from, uh, thank you for joining me. And you won't just be joining me this hour. I uh, made my producer, Pete Considori, very proud by booking not one but two guests for this show. We're going to make it a fan rag extravaganza. I've got uh Two of the other fantasy baseball writers from FanRag on today. Uh, Going to start with Greg Jewett uh, earlier on in the show, actually just a few minutes away. Uh, he is, along with me part and many, many others, participating in the Too Early Mock that has been uh, organized and run by FanGraph's Justin Mason. Uh, and uh, so that's been a lot of fun. It's at least my, there's four of these Too Early Drafts. Mine's close to conclusion. Check it with Greg on his, and we'll also take a look back at Greg's fantasy season and, and check out his lessons learned. And then after him, we'll have Jim Finch on the show uh, and uh, sort of lather, rinse, repeat, and see what uh, Jim feels about his fantasy season and also uh, toss a few questions his way about 2018. So before we dig into all that, just a few uh, news items of note, uh, Byron Buxton cracked a rib while making that spectacular catch in the wild card game at Yankee Stadium. It was initially uh, diagnosed as back tightness. It actually much worse. He cracked a rib, but uh, he is expected to be able to undergo his normal offseason training regimen, according to the St. Paul Pioneer Press. So that is good news. Uh, I suppose as good news as we can expect for Byron Buxton. And then yesterday, in the two ALDS games, a couple of significant injuries. Edwin Encarnacion, uh, he uh, has uh, is getting uh, an MRI on his ankle. He has a sprained ankle. Uh, he is day-to-day. Uh, and uh, so we'll see what happens today uh, when he's uh, evaluated. In the meantime, Michael Brantley could fill in as DH in tomorrow's Game 3. So uh, that uh, is an interesting development. Get to see a little bit of Michael Brantley there. Hopefully, Encarnacion not out for too long. And Mookie Betts, who had a wrist issue late in the season, in the regular season, that left wrist flared up again on a swing in the eighth inning of yesterday's game. And uh, he says he thinks he'll be ready for game three. He did get a cortisone shot last week, according to ESPN. So that's one to keep an eye on, whether you're playing postseason fantasy or just watching as a fan. So uh, and really for next year, too, uh, something to to keep an eye on, because anything involving the hand, the wrist um, that can obviously linger even over the course of an off season. So that's uh, certainly a storyline to watch in the near and in the longer term for Mookie Betts. All righty. Well, uh, that wraps up the news for now. Had to break. And when we come back, we be joined by Greg Jewett of FanRag. Stick around. Lots of great stuff to come.
Skix sneakers are taking over tailgates and alumni homes across America. Skix canvas high top, low top, slip on, and kids tennis style sneakers designed in officially licensed college colors and logos is a must have for every college fan's wardrobe. Fun, fashionable, and comfortable. Whether you're at the big game or watching the game at home, Skix helps fans perform better. Go to Skix.com and use promo code FNTSY for 15% off your pair now. That's Skix.com. Skix sneakers, the soul of a true fan. Welcome back, everybody. You are listening to Fan Rag Fantasy Baseball. I'm Al Melkier, your host for the show. And joining me uh, for this segment, and I'm, I'm really hoping actually the next one, too, uh, not to spring this on our guest right now, uh, but Mr. Greg Jewett uh, from Fan Rag Sports. Greg, how are you doing today? I'm all right, Al. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I think we got enough here to, to cover a couple of segments, uh, and, and actually, uh, to not to, to, you know, tease, uh, a move right into, uh, our review of the 2017 fantasy season and, and then leave folks hanging. But I do have something very important. I just need to, to take care of first. And that is to let you know that you can go to either dailyroto.com slash DKMS or rotoexperts.com slash DKMS. And there you will find out about the DKMS organization and all the great things that it does to fight blood cancer. Uh, you can even go there and find out that it's really it's quite easy to become a bone marrow donor. Uh, so there's all sorts of information there as well as on how to make a donation or just how to spread the word about uh, the DKMS clause, cause excuse me to fight blood cancer. Uh, and there's a, another bonus there as well that uh, at either site, either on Daily Roto or Roto Experts, there's a link to Fantasy Draft to play in a free DFS fantasy football contest. Uh, and there's a new contest every week for the first 16 weeks. And then in week 17, all of the weekly winners, they get to face off and the winner gets uh, two tickets to Super Bowl 52 Minnesota. So that is really, really cool. So just need to make sure that you knew about that. And do uh, please uh, take take just a moment or two to check out either of those sites. So, Greg, um, I am really, really curious to hear your wrap-up of this fantasy season. How did it go? How do you feel about it? And particularly digging into the nitty-gritty of uh, you know any new strategies you tried out or maybe just old ones. Uh, that have succeeded for you and, and how well they worked this year. So how how do you feel overall? Um, it was strange this year. And, and can I just take an aside moment? Um, a student I just I, that just graduated last year that I taught uh, just got through leukemia. So uh, your uh, you know your 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 intro here was very uh, very timely. So um, he's in his freshman year of college now, but he he he. Uh, Took a year off from high school to battle it and overcame it, so it's something that's uh, near and dear to my heart. So please make sure you go and check those uh, two programs out and see what you can do to help. Um, as for this year, it was almost like the exact opposite of last year. Last year, um, I came in first in uh, most of, in, in a few of the roto leagues, and I was like the uh, the bridesmaid and head to head. This year, uh, I got lucky with the head to heads. I won two of the three leagues I was in, uh, and then an NFBC 12 team where I came in second. My home league auction, which I did on the air, a portion of it with you guys, I came in mm-hmm. second, just too many injuries. Um, but all in all, the, the process was pretty good. I, I'm going to have to say that the one thing uh, I'll be changing next year, and I didn't really do it in our mock draft yet, 
was uh, I'm going to try and focus more on some uh, getting a couple of aces early. I know there's always been a theory of getting a couple of pocket aces, but I think I'm really going to try and get three um, guys that just have the track record or I can project to be uh, 200 or close to 200 inning guys just because they're becoming few and fewer every year with only 58 qualified pitchers this year. Uh, the 10-day DL and other items are, are really going to put starting pitcher at a premium, I think, for 2018. Yeah, I, I hear that. And I actually uh, just this morning kind of did a, a postmortem on my, my Tout Wars team. Uh, hadn't, I planned on getting to that a little sooner, but uh, it just didn't happen. And uh, I, I, the one category where I really came up very short was strikeouts. It's so obviously, you know, mm-hmm. innings. You know, you want to get somebody with a high K9, but innings are also critical there. And it, it was no mystery in retrospect why I finished low in strikeouts because after Max Scherzer, my pitcher with the highest strikeout total was Ariel Miranda. I think he got 88 wow. for me in the weeks that I started him. Yeah. So, yeah, certainly part of that was maybe not emphasizing. Maybe I went a little bit too much for the value guys that aren't big strikeout uh, producers uh, at a, mm-hmm. on a rate basis. But, yeah, it also, uh, you know, didn't. I, I drafted uh, Dallas Keuchel, but then dealt him midseason. So that was uh, maybe more costly than than I expected it would be at the time. So I, 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 I'm on board with you with that for next year. So, uh, what, yeah, and, uh, yeah, oh, sorry. I'm sorry. I was going to say, and, and, you know, the, uh, I didn't overpay for steals and that seemed to work out for me this year. So I don't think I'm going to overreact as other people are. Um, and we'll get to that segment a little bit later. Do you have a thing with D Gordon and Carlos Stanton? But I just, I refuse to overpay for one cat guys. Yeah, and that's that's something I did too this year. That was kind of a a new focus for me, and and it worked out well. Um, and that was really me taking a lesson from last season. Now there, this is there's two sides of this, Greg. So I'm I'm curious to see where you come down on it because there's a lot of players who will be affected by this phenomenon going into 2018. But one of the big lessons coming out of this season for me was not to put too much weight on players who either you know broke out for the first time or maybe just had a one-year performance that that might have been an aberration and so i'm to give you know players like uh jonathan vr from last year and um you know but the the other lesson i took from that is that you get you know you can get a lot of steals from surprising sources so on the one hand i i put too much emphasis on last year's individual performances that as kind of a more general lesson that I took away from last year, you, yeah, you don't have to pay for one category, guys. You know, steals is an example, saves is another one where I didn't spend a lot this year, and I and I did fine in both of those categories. Um, so, how, how do you plan on negotiating that next year? When just as an example, uh, or two examples, let's say Francisco Lindor and Jose Ramirez breaking out with power this year, I, I'm sort of uh, slow to think of somebody who may have been a, a speed breakout, but uh, two you know, players who really raised their profile in terms of power. How much, how much stock are you going to put in that for next year? Uh, it's going to be difficult because we don't know what the ball is going to be like next year. We don't know how pitchers are going to pitch them and things of that nature. Um, like in our mock draft, when I took Jose Ramirez, 
Um, I just wanted somebody, I picked him more to try and get a 300 average with a lot of at-bats, and I know all the other things. If he doesn't hit the home runs like he did this year, he's still going to do enough of all the other categories where I don't think it's going to make him as big of a risk. So um, it would be very curious. And the recency bias and other things, you can even see it in our mock where you know, Luke Weaver, I think, got a little bit inflated, although he's a very talented pitcher. Um, you know, it's he was fresh in our minds when he was having those great games before the last week blow-ups. But, uh, you know, every year when we go into these things, there's going to be the hot-button guys or the, the hot name that everybody wants to get in those drafts. Um, and even in that mock draft, what I was trying to do was not overpay for steals but get a bunch of guys that will get me between 10 and 20 and just let them litter the roster. Yeah, well, Luke Weaver is a, is an interesting name and an interesting example of what you're talking about. Uh, and Weaver, uh, in our because we're in the same too early mock draft uh, that we're going to dig into more in, in the next segment. But in fact, we're drafting back to back. And Weaver was somebody I passed on for a couple of rounds before he finally got taken. But he was in my queue. And it's it's a, mm-hmm. it's a dilemma because on the one hand, you know, I'm trying to learn the lesson from this year to not put too much stock in a one year or in Weaver's case, a a fraction of a year performance. And on the other hand, you get past the top, maybe even 10 starters, 15 for sure. And you might as well go upside. So (laughs) I, you know, I don't know if Weaver, Weaver strikes me as one of those top upside guys uh, who doesn't have a lot of experience. Um, Where do you come down on that dilemma? I think I was in about the same as you because he was in my queue as well, and I was like, "Is this too early? <laughs> is it too late?" Because um, I think one of the one of the nicest things about the mock is I know a few of the guys are lamenting, "Oh, my queue's wiped out," but when my queue was wiped out, that means I was valuing people in the correct manner. So it doesn't really bother me in a mock when I lose people in my queue because I'm really trying to see if I've got people in about the right place. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and even with my, and, and when we delve into it, my pitching, I tried to get some upside K guys. So, you know, it's it, with the NFBC numbers, I don't know if you saw Rob Silver's tweet, but, you know, with, with the pitching trends kind of, uh, with the strikeouts going up, but the ERAs and whip are also on the rise. You can take a, a chance on a Weaver because you're going to get those strikeouts because the rest of the, the rest of your league mates are also going to have. the the bigger whips that kind of accompany that. So I I think there's going to be some changes in how we target pitching, but I also think uh, trying to get one or two of those guys like we were talking about at the opening of the segment is really going to become Mm -hmm. tantamount to being successful, especially in the deeper leagues. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree. So, uh, all right, well, uh, Greg, we got to take a little bit of a break here. Uh, we're kind of easing nicely into this 2018 focus. So we're going to continue with that right uh, after the break. Uh, So stick around. never gets old all right everyone two truths one lie i was gonna be on the real world i play the oboe and i saved a kid's life you definitely never saved a kid's life i'm serious last summer i donated bone marrow to a kid who had leukemia saving a life the truth is it's easier than you think 
Learn how at DKMS.org. <laughs> who knew we were living with a hero? Um, a hero <laughs> who plays the oboe. <laughs> Welcome back, everyone. You're listening to FanRag Fantasy Baseball. I'm your host, Al Melchior. Joining me again for this segment, also from FanRag, is Greg Jewett. And before Greg and I start to look ahead to 2018, we're going to look ahead to Sunday just for a moment here because I'm seeing a report here on Twitter from uh, Evan Drellick of WEEI in Boston that both Mookie Betts and Dustin Pedroia are expected to be ready for uh, Sunday's Game 3. So good news there. And again, I've mentioned a few times on the show, you can play uh, Fantasy Postseason over at FantasyPostseason.com. I've been doing it, and uh, and I am considering uh, starting Pedroia tomorrow. So uh, I'm, I'm keeping my eyes on that one. So uh, let's... Uh, Fast forward even farther ahead, Greg, and go to 2018. And speaking of Mookie Betts, I, I talked about the wrist issue that he had late in the season, got a cortisone shot for, and now it's flared up again. Is this something that worries you about Mookie Betts? Uh, I know it's hard to look ahead, you know, so many months, but do you, you foresee that something that uh, five, six months from now you will still be concerned about? I'm hoping not, especially, I mean, he was, he had a really good September, so, especially in the power department, so obviously that, uh, that cortisone shot uh, held a little bit, you know, the, for the month in September, he had 281 with a 361 on base and a 583 with a huge spike in his uh, pull percentage, so he was obviously trying to sell out and hit power for that month, but, um, you know, in the first half of the year, he, he walked more than he struck out. And then I think when that wrist started to bother him at the beginning of the second half, uh, he, he wasn't able to maintain that through the whole season. But, you know, with that depressed bat, which can be such a goofy number, um, he still put up over 20 stolen bases and home runs on the season. And, you know, at, at the discount this year, that, or excuse me, in 2018, that you're going to get in the drafts, as long as the reports and that wrists are good, he, he looks like a good guy to get uh, in the in the second half of the first round to uh, give give you a good start to a balanced roster. Yeah, and he is falling in the the early mocks uh, to that neighborhood, so uh, that, that could be a huge value. And uh, we're also, of course, keeping our eyes on Edwin Encarnacion, who is day to day should be fine as far as we know, although it may be premature to really make any assumptions there. But it. it should provide an opportunity for Michael Brantley to have a bigger role this postseason. How closely are you going to watch Brantley and allow his postseason play to determine uh, your your uh, assessment of his value for next year? Um, I, I'm going to watch him closely just to see how he's moving and how his body responds. Um, I know there's there's such upside there, but there's also so much inherent risk now with the uh, with the multitude of injuries that he's had and not, you know, hasn't been too many of them that bad luck. That shoulder's been slow. I, I just don't know if he's a slow healer. You know, everybody has a different body. So it, it definitely how he, how much he plays and how the Indians utilize him should be a good window into how he's going to look in the next season. You don't want to overreact to the postseason, but, I, you know, I really want to see how Francona usually has pretty good holes on the players, uh, uses him going forward. Yeah, no, that's an excellent point, Greg, uh, you know, in terms of 
tr- uh, trusting the judgment of Terry Francona. Uh, well, speaking of trusting, uh, how how are you trusting uh, the the picks that you've made? In the too early mock, which I've talked about a little bit already on this show, we're in the same one. There are four of them going on. Uh, we are picking back to back, which has been kind of fun. Um, so, how, how do you feel? First of all, just about the roster itself. I, I also want to get down to you know any sort of strategy uh, issues that you feel are, are pertinent. But uh, how do you feel about the roster? I'm okay with it. Um... You know, it's funny because I didn't realize that the hailstorm that picking Giancarlo Stanton ninth would have created. <laughs> you know, in in a, I, I got to be honest, in a in a real money draft, I don't know if I would have taken Stanton there, but it was kind of like one of those things. I'm like, it's an early mock. Um, I never take a power hitter like that that early, so I just wanted to see what my roster would look like if I made that sort of decision. You know, that's part of what you do with mocks is you kind of experiment. So. You know, uh, you know, I got blasted a little bit, and, and people were saying that you can't build a winning team taking Stanton that early. Um, so, uh, just different strokes for different folks. But you know, 50 home runs don't fall out of trees. But you know, overall, I don't mind my roster. Um, the, it's funny because as we were talking about the pitching segment, you know, I took Miguel Cabrera in the sixth round, and I couldn't really wrap my head around if that was a good pick, if it was a bad pick. In hindsight, I probably would have preferred to take a third pitcher right there, or a, a better, a better pitcher too than than I got um, in the later rounds. But you know, I, I think if there was any one decision that I made in it, that would be it. Or you know, I could have started with Mookie Betts, or like you did. I mean, I think your start with Joey Votto and JD Martinez is fantastic in a, in a fifteen team draft and. You know, I knew you were taking J.D. Martinez before it got back to me in the second round, so I already planned on who I was going to take in lieu of him not being there after, you know, we were texting back and forth. So, you know, having two people that think similarly being next to each other in it's made it difficult but also uh, informative. Um, I loved your Adam Eaton pick and a few other things that, we that you know, we've done back and forth in there. Um, and, and I'm looking at the other mocks. I got, quite, I got a bargain on NOLA where I got him as my uh, – second starting pitcher, but I would have rather have had maybe a Hendricks in that sixth round or somebody else to, to pair with you, Darvish, as at the top of my pitching staff. Yeah, well, and, and I'm going to talk about Hendricks later on in the show uh, when I've got Jim Finch on, because, uh, you know, since we uh, we talked uh, two-star pitchers all, all year long with Jim, I wanted to uh, kind of put the focus more on pitching with him on the show. But since you brought it up, Cal Hendricks... In, in our particular, or no, I take that back, across all four of the early mocks, um, went 35th among starting pitchers, uh, averaged 131st for ADP. Um, mm-hmm. I'm probably, you know, just with my tone, kind of giving away my uh, view on that, that I, I feel like that's, that's very late. It's a huge bargain. Um, did, did you feel similarly? Yeah, I think that number will come down as the season approaches, especially when people start focusing on how good he's been in the second half, um, you know, with him, with him adjusting, you know, early in the season, he had the the hand issues and, and feeling the ball and the velocity was a little bit down, but he's really bounced back and, and he's probably the Cubs number one for the postseason. So, you know, if that discount stays, then you're definitely going to want to hop on him there. If he's there, um, especially when that's where some of the helium guys are starting to go. 
You know, mm-hmm. there's nothing exciting about getting uh, hat tricks, but there's also something kind of calming about getting them, especially at that price point. Yeah, and I think you just absolutely nailed the you know sort of inner dialogue that a lot of us owners will have at that point in the draft, and I know I did in this mock, which is uh, you know, like I said earlier in the show, once the top fifteen starters are off the board, there's a lot of temptation to go for upside. I don't think anybody views Hendricks as an upside pick, and uh, mm-hmm. you know that, that that's that's a tough call. Um, but I'll, I do want to dig further into that. I'm going to say that for Jim later in the show. But you mentioned Stanton. Mm-hmm. So you took Stanton. You you let me know at the time that you were getting some flack for it. If I recall correctly, I think you, you may have had some. I think there was somebody else you were considering at that point. Um, I don't remember. Well, I, I, I said I probably was going to go with Votto. But I take, I mean, like, oh, I've sorry. been such a Votto proponent. I mean, I have the jersey. I love the guy, but it was just like I take him all the time, so I wanted some variance. I mean, that's, you know, if I take Votto, then I'm doing that draft like every other draft I've done, and, and that doesn't help me in a mock it out of my comfort zone. I think you need to leave your comfort zone a little bit just to, to see how a team rounds together. Um, and, and, you know, and taking a huge power guy in the first round, that forced me to focus on um, guys who can do both, and that, that kind of sculpted my picks from that point on when I got Jose Ramirez and I took an Alex Bregman and a Justin Upton who can hit 30 but steal, you know, 10 to 12 bases. So it, it made me kind of put a focus on stolen bases, not getting a complete stolen base guy, but mm-hmm. getting guys that could give me uh, across the categories. And I, I love Bregman's upside for next year. I don't mind the price I paid for him. Um, and then later on, you know, I loved your Starlin Castro pick. And I had him in my queue, but I went Ozzy Albies just because he stole five bases the last seven games of the year, and I think he's going to be more aggressive on the base pads next year. So for me, it was more of a – that was a need-based pick as opposed to uh, as just a player value. Yeah, and it makes a lot of sense. Absolutely, you did uh, – you've done a really nice job distributing steals uh, across your roster. Um and, and and a point well taken too about in mocks trying out different things and not not getting in a strategic rut. Um, just one more thing on Stanton here. I know uh, you know, like you said, you got a little bit of blowback uh, on him, but uh, three of the four and three of the four mocks he went by the tenth pick. Two took them in, at nine, including you, and then there in a third he went at ten. So there's only one outlier there. He went at nineteen. As far as steals go. And we're actually running a little short on time, Greg. I'm not sure we're going to get to all all the players I'd want to talk about. But let's talk about D. Gordon because uh, he certainly has, uh, you know, been solid for steals. A lot of variation there. Do you think that uh, an average, an ADP of uh, 25 for him in these mocks is uh, appropriate? Probably. I'm, I'm not the guy that will take him there, but I can understand the case why you would. Yeah. Um, and, you know, again, I think it's, it's sort of what you were saying before. It sort of depends on who you took first or if you are literally taking him at 25 and it's a 12 teamer, uh, you're at the turn there. You know, maybe you've already got two players rostered at that point and, and you know, maybe that makes sense. Well, Greg, I wish we had more time. I got to save some time for Jim here. So thank you so much for joining Absolutely. me. <laughs> All thank right. You, take well. care, Greg. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, All right. We'll be right back with more review and preview with Jim Finch. So we'll be right back. Hey, everybody. 
everybody, it's me, Joe Pizzapia, best-selling author of the Fantasy Black Book series. And right now, you can get the 2017 Fantasy Football Black Book on Amazon as we speak. What are you waiting for? You can get it for ebook, for your Kindle, or for paperback. And it's not just me this year. No, I brought in some friends. I got Jake Seeley. I got Sammy Reed. I got Gary Davenport. I got championships, and they're waiting for you. Find out why the Fantasy Black Book is number one best-selling in fantasy sports for the 10th straight time. You know why? Because once you go Black Book, you never go back. Welcome back, everybody. This is FanRag Fantasy Baseball. I'm Al Melchior. And big thanks to my FanRag colleague, Greg Jewett, for joining me for the last two segments. I'm uh, hoping uh, we'll hear from Jim Finch uh, by the end of the show. Uh, should be on on the segment. Uh, in the meantime, there's quite a bit of stuff that I did not uh, get to with uh, with Greg in the last couple of segments, so I can uh, at least take a little time to circle back with that. And also, by the way, from the, the Twitter world, uh, something you might be uh, interested in, in hearing if you hadn't seen this yet. Uh, quote from Joe Girardi, uh, of course, you know, uh, post-game, he had all sorts of explanations for not uh, uh, raising the challenge on that uh, hit-by-pitch that uh, appeared to not be a hit-by-pitch at all, but a foul tip. Uh, and and so today, rather than, you know, uh, basically cite some of the reasons uh, or excuses that he, he did last night, he said simply, quote, I screwed up. It's a hard day for me, end quote. So I uh, don't know if that... Makes any Yankee fans feel any better, but uh, interesting quote in any event from uh, from Joe Girardi. But uh, let's get back to this uh, too early mock that Greg and I were talking about and that we're both participating in. So we talked a bit about drafting Stanton early. That seems to be the consensus that uh, he is a first rounder. D. Gordon is going uh, second and third round uh, typically, uh, but a uh, couple of of other players that uh, are really pairs of players that uh, seem to be creating a lot of uh, disagreement, I guess, uh, not a lot of consensus. In terms of pitchers, Zach Greinke and Carlos Martinez is very similar in ADP in these drafts, uh, 54 for Greinke, 57 for Carmart. Uh, but the across the four drafts, very, very split. There's a lot more consensus on Carmart. He was taken no sooner than the 48th, no later than the 60th overall. The spread for Granke was 37 to 67. Um, that, that's an interesting one. And I, you know, to me, I guess it's in the eye of the beholder, but to me, it, it seems really non controversial that Granke would be the one uh, that would be taken earlier. I think there's just more of a, an established track record there. And, uh, I, he hasn't exactly been consistent over the years, but I, I just feel like we have a better uh, sense of uh, what the value is going to be there. But let, let me toss this over to Jim Finch. Jim, welcome to the show. Good, great to have you here. Thanks for having me, Al. All right. Well, uh, you, you got me in mid-discussion here. So since a lot of the, the topics uh, that I'm, I'm throwing your way are pitching-related, um, I'm talking about these these two early mocks that I've been, uh, I've been participating in one of them. And was just noting how there's a there's not a lot of consensus on who should be drafted first, Zach Greinke or Carmart. Uh, they've got similar ADPs, but there's a much bigger spread on Greinke's draft position. Does that 
does that ring right to you? Because if anything, I would think it would be the opposite. I have so much less certainty about what to expect from Martinez next year. I kind of share your feelings there with Martinez, but when you look at Granke, you got to look. He's a few years older. He's got the park factor playing against him with Arizona. He also had that first bad year when he came to Arizona, so you're not sure if this year was a rebound year and if we can expect this from Granke going forward or if he's going to regress a little bit to where he can turn in a season similar to what Carlos Martinez did this year, in which case... They're sort of even, and that being the case, I would probably take the younger guy with a little bit more upside in Martinez and hope that he turns in a little bit better better of a season because he was sort of a disappointment this year. I absolutely agree, and that that's really, really kind of slanted my view on him going into next year. But, you know, the, you, you presented the other side of this. So I think, you know, between you and me, we, we've kind of represented what's going on in these across these four mocks uh, that I found a little perplexing. So I appreciate you bringing the perspective here, you know, the one that's that's a little more skeptical on, on Zach Granke. And, I, you know, I could see why. If you, if you got a little hung up on what he did last year, um, that, that makes a lot of sense. And I do want to do some more forward-looking analysis with you, um, Jim, but I, I want to kind of uh, take a step back from that and uh, just ask you about your, your teams this year. It's, it's been a few weeks since you've been on the show. Um, haven't really checked in on you. This, so how, how do you feel about your season this year and what uh, you know what you might do differently in 2018? Um, I don't think I really had to do much differently. I mean, as far as my drafts went, I if you read any of my draft plan articles, you basically had a blueprint of what I was going to do. I went for infielders early, split between starting fielders and outfielders to fill out my rotation. And the exception of the two roto leagues, I basically punched closers this year because I I, I just wasn't really feeling feeling it after like uh, Jenkins and maybe one or two more of the top guys, so I didn't bother with that, and everything went according to plan. I won my two roto leagues and the head-to-head leagues, that's the danger you play with, you know, when you play head-to-head, you Mm -hmm. you have one off week at the wrong time and your season's downhill, so (laughs) the teams turned out as I expected, but one bad week, not much you can do about it, can't complain, but I was happy with my teams overall. So basically, uh, just trust the process. You know, even uh, if your your season was derailed by a, a bad week or two or three, um, you know, to do do what has worked for you over the long haul. Is that that a good uh, uh, encapsulation of of uh, of the approach? Yeah, that's basically right. I mean, my one head to head league, I basically dominated all year. I had five losses. I only lost. Four of the five losses, I lost five to six. So I only had one blowout, and the one blowout I had was against the team I played in the semifinals, and we wound up in a tie. And because of that one game, he had the tiebreaker, and I got knocked out of the finals. Ah. Nothing I can do about it, but two Brian German <laughs> home runs on a Sunday night is all it took. Yeah, that's you know I think those of us who you know played long enough, we all have that story. I've I've got mine of how I lost a head-to-head championship on a Nelson Figueroa uh, complete game shutout on the last day of the season. Nelson Figueroa, yeah, that, nah, I've gotten over that one, I'm sure. Um, 
So I, I hear you. And that was kind of how my postseason went too. It, it had uh, Greg Jewett on earlier. He talked about being an also ran uh, in, in a lot of leagues, you know, runner up. That was my story this year. Um, knocked out at either finals or semifinals and in several different leagues. Um, yeah, it, it's a bummer. So, I think my uh, yeah. hardest loss was my dynasty league. It was a 30-team dynasty league, and I was two games ahead of the next place team with three games to go. And in one week span before the last three games, I lost Lester, Salazar, and Wainwright. And I already had McCarthy on a DL, so that left me with Jason Vargas as my de facto number one starter with Ooh. nothing on waivers in a 30-team league with a 20-team minor league roster. There was no recovery. Yeah, that format, no, that's – you need some sort of miracle uh, in that situation, in that format. Uh, that, that's just how that's going to roll. So, uh, well, I, I do like the, uh, the, the trust the process uh, uh, approach. And uh, you know, especially the, it sounds like you, Greg, and I have all had similar experiences this year. We're close, but but uh, not not quite enough in in most or all of our leagues, and and uh, you, you can't overreact to that. Um, speaking of possible overreactions, so Trevor Bauer finished the season really strong last two months plus uh, a two point four two ERA. Um, a lot of very, very strong starts over that stretch. And then, of course, uh, the surprise announcement that he was pitching game one for the Indians in the division series, uh, aced that one. So i got to think that Bauer stock, uh, you know, barring a, a collapse from here on out, is, is going to be really up. Um, do you agree with that, first of all? And do you think that's how it should be going into next year? Um. I, I think his stock is going up, but I don't know if I would raise it that much. I mean, he had two good months, but if you look at the underlying metrics, he basically did the same thing as last year. He had a similar ground ball rate, similar fly ball rate. He was throwing the curveball more, but it really wasn't an effective pitch for him as far as value goes. So he's got his fastball and his curveball both ranking as negatives, and he just wound up with two good months. Was that him turning the corner? I know he's got a great pedigree, so there. For that reason alone, I would move him up some on my draft board. But he's not somebody I would reach for and go, "Yeah, look at these last two months of the season; he's going to break out." So, how about SP three in a twelve teamer? So, top thirty six starter. His, it, does he deserve that much of a promotion, or is that too much? Or not enough. Um, that's probably too much for me. I want somebody with more of a guarantee in, in with one of my first three pitchers. Maybe after that, I would start taking chances. But first three pitchers, I want somebody I can get guaranteed ratios, strikeouts. As long as you're getting seven and a half, eight Ks for nine, I'm happy with that. And once I get my top three in place, then I start throwing darts at guys like Bauer. Okay, well, that makes a lot of sense to me. And I'll just toss one more stat out there regarding Bauer, which I think is an important one. Over his last 13 games, 12 of which were starts, that produced that 2.42 ERA, 93% strand rate. I mean, even an 80% strand rate is something that should raise suspicion, uh, unless maybe you're you know, Clayton Kershaw. <laughs> 93%. So I agree with you, Jim. Uh, a lot of what Bauer did these last couple months was not substantially different from what he did in the in the first half this year or last year. A little bit uh, more successful at getting chases out of the zone, a little more successful at avoiding contact, but not not really radical changes like the ERA would suggest. So I would, would be, be 
definitely more cautious with Bauer uh, than the not going into uh, next season. So, Jim, can we keep you on for uh, the final segment here? Sure. That is awesome. Okay, because uh, I promised some Kyle Hendricks talk, and, and we're going to deliver on that. So <laughs> stick around, folks. We are going to be right back. Muscle Maker Grill was made for baseball season. Muscle Maker Grill supplies you with delicious, healthy meals that will give you energy to cheer on your team week after week. Whether you're craving flavorful salad, packed wraps, or guiltless entrees, Muscle Maker Grill has you covered. Hosting a game? No problem. Our catering packages will have your whole team satisfied with flavors ranging from Italian to Tex-Mex and much, much more. Visit MuscleMakerGrill.com for your nearest location and have a winning season. Welcome back. This is FanRag Fantasy Baseball. I'm Al Melkier. I'm the host of the show and the guest for the show, uh, joining us for yet another segment from FanRag Sports and also Fantasy Assembly, Jim Finch. So, Jim, thanks again for uh, uh, staying on for uh, yet another segment. Sure, I'm always happy to talk baseball with you, Al. All right. Well, and, and I got to... Uh, circle way back to the beginning of the show when I was talking about the uh, NLDS games today and uh, I- I'm out here in mountain time <laughs> I've only been out here for about a year I still get confused with the uh, the the uh, time zone so we're a little further away from first pitch than uh, I was calculating at first much to my disappointment because I'm ready to watch some baseball so we're still a couple hours away from uh, first pitch Cubs and Nats but both of those lineups are out Jim and I'm playing uh, daily fantasy over at Fantasy Postseason. I'd already picked Michael Taylor as my pick for today. You get to pick one player, and then you can't pick him again for the rest of postseason. But Albert Almora is leading off for the Cubs. It's all lefties pitching today in both games. Lester, Gonzalez, Ray, Rich Hill. Uh, Almora's great against lefties. Uh, what, what move would you make? Uh, Almora against Gio Gonzalez or Michael Taylor against Lester? That's a tough call because Lester <laughs> hasn't had the best agree. season, and Gio sort of tailed off near the end there. But I, I'm I'm sort of buying buying Michael Taylor's breakout this year. I w- I would probably lean more toward him, but it's it's a really tough call because the Cubs they like to mix and match so much that you don't know who's going to be in the lineup on any given night. And I think Taylor is the safer play if you can only pick one and that's it. I see him being in the lineup more often than not, so I would probably go with him. That's that's a really good point. Now he is batting eighth. Almora's leading off, but yeah, he could you know be subbed for uh, probably more likely than Taylor. So I appreciate the feedback and also just the you know the validation that that's it's a tough call. Uh, but let's I've uh, had zero st- luck with yeah. DFS as far as baseball goes. So don't really take my word for that. I've had more <laughs> okay. luck with football and golf, which I know nothing about in baseball. So. All right. Well, uh, uh, I will still take take it under advisement. But uh, let, let's stick with the Cubs here and the the great performance from uh, Kyle Hendricks in Game One. Uh, I don't know how much this is going to boost him uh, in terms of ADP, but I think he needs needs a boost. Uh, as I mentioned earlier in the show, in the two early mocks, he's 
currently averaging 35th in ADP for starting pitchers. Uh, Luis Castillo, Masahiro Tanaka, Johnny Cueto, Sonny Gray, uh, the aforementioned Rich Hill, and Danny Duffy are all being drafted on average ahead of Kyle Hendricks in these two early mocks. Uh, what's your, your take on on that? Is that appropriate, you think? Well, they're all being taken on average, but if you look at how far people have reached, Hendricks is the one that people are reaching before all of those pitchers that you mentioned, which speaks volumes for him. I mean, there's gonna you're, you're going to have a lot of haters out there. I know they look at Hendricks, they look at the 80-something mile an hour fastball, and that's that's probably a big reason why a lot of people are sour on him, because he doesn't have that high heat, but... When 80% of your pitches are coming from your slider and your changeup, you don't really need a big fastball. That's more of a compliment for the other two pitches. So he doesn't need a lot of heat, and he still generates at least eight strikeouts per nine. So he's got that going for him. I think he's definitely being undervalued. I mean, if you look at the consistency in his numbers, you, I mean, the ERA, that was bound to come up this year. The BAP, it's a more more average 280 this year as opposed to last year so the numbers you got this year they were higher than last year but i think you can look at what he's done the past two years and you have a pretty good clue on what you're going to get from him and i like that stability and the ratios more than i like the other guys and i would easily take him i am with you so on that note jim thank you so much for taking the time to join me here today uh, enjoy your your off season or your postseason even Thanks a lot, Al. All right, sounds good, Jim. So enjoy your uh, two games later on today.